Hey nerd herders, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze season two, episode six of Chuck, and that is entitled Chuck versus the X. I'm sure you know who the X in question is. Feel free to send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We sure love reading your letters. Follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast. Feel free to tweet at us. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you are listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe. You don't want to miss out on any future episodes. Now, here we go. to fetch a pail of genetically altered influenza virus. Welcome to Go Chuck Yourself. I'm Chris Gillespie. I'm Erin Arata, and I'm uh, I'm really glad that you thought of that. That was, that was a very good uh, opening. I know I you were working. having some trouble, but I'm glad. I'm glad we got there. I was delaying uh, hitting record because I was writing that. It took me a while, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. That's, that's all we have for this episode. Uh, we'll see, see you next week. time. Uh, no, it's not. It's just the beginning of this episode. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave. Please don't leave. Oh my <laughs> God, don't no. leave. Uh, this is season two, episode six of Chuck. This is Chuck versus the X. The X in this situation is, of course, the infamous Chuck character. You love him, you hate him. It's Doug Wald, everybody. <laughs> Dougie, Ellie's old X. Dougie. Doug Wald. I'm glad I, uh... you wrote that down. <laughs> Did you not write it down? No, I think that was your section, so I wasn't really, I was just... Oh, good uh, lord, it was, was not my section. It, oh, was it not? <laughs> no. I was letting it uh, wash over me, and I didn't uh, I didn't think to write his name down. Oh, no, well, that was my section, you're right, okay. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah, now if, I'll write it down. If you don't get your act together, you're going to, soon it's going to be Chris versus the ex-podcast co-host. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. I'm not messing around. <laughs> I I've guess been, not. I've been under my sink today for more time than I've ever been underneath my kitchen sink. We're replacing a water line thing. You were doing that yourself? Yes. That's really impressive. It was not as hard as you would think it would be. And then we also have a mouse problem. So we're cleaning up dead mice. Oh. Things are going real well. <laughs> okay. Did well. You, do you have any dead animals in your apartment? Uh, well, okay. So we had, we had a, a what I would call maybe an infestation or maybe okay. just like a lot of them. Of these really large uh, bugs that looked kind of like like male mosquitoes, like they were massive and they looked like mosquitoes. And I know mm. that those kind, I know that they say those kind don't bite, but like it looks like they could like drain your whole body of blood, much like Chuck's blood is taken in this episode by a massive mm. needle. So I threw my shoe at one of them, and then it flew at me, and I was very scared. But then later I looked them up, and apparently they're crane flies, and they're not mosquitoes so they don't bite so i opened the window and then they all flew away ah what a nice story what a happy yeah, ending like, it didn't have a happy ending if you had to choose between rodent infestation and bug infestation what would you choose would you have a, a rodent well, problem okay, or a so bug I, talked, problem? I talked with my roommate about this in my last apartment because we had roaches and i was saying mm. that i would rather have mice because yes. the bigger you can see them and like they're a little bit more like attractive to look at i don't mm. know if attractive is the right word but they're cute um 
but she was saying that like a roach it's not like once it's dead you can like flush it like a mouse if it's dead you kind of have to like touch that and you have to like Mm. put it in the trash and it's like much harder to like dispose of so Mm. uh i i'm not really sure I, i never really had a consensus i think if they're like not if i can't see them I would rather it be mice, and if I, like, never encounter them, but I just know they're there and they're not in my food. But if I do have to see them, I would say it would rather roaches. No, wait. Yes. Really? I think I would be the opposite. Like, I would, I think I would be much more alarmed to see insects than I would be the mice, you know? Yeah. But also on the flip side, I think there's something easier about killing something that's not a fellow mammal yes I feel like it's easier yeah that's what to, i'm saying like if i have to, to deal insects. with them then i would rather it be a bug because i won't feel bad about killing it and uh, I, I won't i won't like feel like it's necessary to trap them i'll just mm. like get rid of it but if it's a mouse then i'm i'm gonna feel way too bad because like you said they're like me their eyes are our eyes you know wow yeah art spiegelman over here <laughs> You're listening to Go Trap Yourself, the uh, the trap music podcast, <laughs> the number one trap music and animal and, and in, insect trapping podcast. Dead mouse is he trapped? Oh, we got oh not. wow! Look at all Whoa. the all the uh, everything's connected now. Uh, everything is connected. In fact, it's so connected. I think we've built a bridge into the opening of episode six of season two of Chuck Chuck wow. versus the X. Yeah, let's get right into it. I would love to get into it, and I'm going to derail you in about 15 seconds so go ahead take it away and then i will stop you okay an interesting point here is that the episode recap was made up entirely of clips from episode one which i guess makes sense because that is one of the last times we've heard about chuck's ex from stanford whose name is jill fortunately Mm. chris was wrong about saying well i guess the ex mentioned here could still be doug but there is another ex that does appear and that is jill i think she was maybe mentioned twice in the show so far but i have a feeling we're going to be hearing about her today are you derailing me yet? Or should I just nope. keep going? Okay. Nope, keep going. We begin with a flashback to Stanford in 2003. Oasis is not playing this time. Chug arrives to Stanford in his Bymore uniform, which we Stop! Can- okay. The Bymore logo on Chuck's shirt. Chuck is wearing a green shirt. The Bymore logo on his shirt is different than the standard current Bymore logo. Because it's 2003. It's got a different font. It must have changed. The- the, the font on Chuck's shirt has a serif. Okay. And the Buy More logo, as we all know, is sans serif. So uh, everyone take note that Chris has experience with graphic design. He is in the market for a job right now. Hopefully he will not be by the time this episode is released. But if you are looking for someone with this kind of in-depth knowledge of fonts, please hire him. I actually had something similar to say about his shirt. Okay. It's just that we see that he was recently hired at Bymore, and he was not immediately hired as one of the white shirt wearing nerd herd members. He was hired as a green shirt. This is character so, development. Yes. So I think it's interesting to see that it's like a visual indicator that this is the past, in addition to maybe the font change. Did you see um, Staples' logo has changed? I did. They're just a staple now. Yes, but I don't know what they are, but they have a oh. different font. It's, so that's kind of similar. It's, it's still happening today. I did not think of the the font change as a indication of buy more changing, which actually makes a lot more sense. I just thought it was a prop department or costume department goof. And that's why I was so adamant to verbalize it. But you know what? Maybe it was intentional. Yeah. Well, either way, I think it's insane that Chuck was still wearing his buy more shirt. I think he could have easily changed it, considering he says that from Burbank to Stanford was 364 miles. 
So he said he's on a break from buy more. So we learned that uh, Chuck's work ethic um, was still the same in 2003 <laughs> as it is today. He's but never I, good at staying at work. Like, he's clearly embarrassed about working at the Bymore, and everyone laughs at him, and he doesn't want Jill to know, so I don't know why he arrived in his shirt. Like, I mm. could have just had a t- He could have even been shirtless. He would have fit right in. Whoa. <laughs> That's what I have to say. I know he's not as ripped as this as he, in, he is in Shazam, but, like, you know, you know, it's fine. Is he ripped in Shazam, or is he- I just- he looks like he's wearing, like, a muscle suit. Well, I guess he could be, because we never see him shirtless. Uh, because mm. he's a child chris he is a he's the adult version of a child there are muscular kids out there that's all i'm saying okay i'll leave it at that uh apparently stanford is less about studying and making scientific breakthroughs for the cia and more about playing beer pong literally on the front lawn that's nice good times Uh, chuck borrows one of the pong balls and throws it at a window that seems to belong to jill jill's roommate who hates chuck for some unknown reason comes to the window and says Jill doesn't want to talk to him, but she leaves the window open, so Chuck shouts up at it while the beer pong players laugh at him. Eventually, Jill does come to the window, and she reveals that she's now dating Bryce Larkin, so Chuck is sad. We transition from that into the future, where Chuck has the exact same expression, so I like that kind of that transition. He's also wearing headphones, despite the fact that he's sitting at the NerdHerd front desk, so I feel like that's not very customer-welcoming. And he's also listening to the Jill 03 mix, which seems odd considering it's been five years and he's now supposed to be in love with Sarah. But I guess, Mm. you know, when the feelings hit you, the feelings hit you. So Emmett comes up with a box of donuts and tells Chuck he has a job at some bioscience conference across town. Chuck asks if Emmett has any Boston cream donuts and Emmett says, oh yeah, several. And then he walks away. Which I thought was was kind of a funny response. I think that, uh, and I was going to bring this up later, but it seems that you are also, I may be feeling this way that I am alarmed that I think that I have early onset Emmett and that <laughs> this this time viewing this show, I am relating more and more to Emmett <laughs> than I am to other characters. And that's deeply disturbing to me. I don't yes. know. Can you identify with that? Uh, I think EME is a common uh, condition at our age, at the age of 25. It's uh, many, uh, many a, a young worker may encounter this. So I think I it is see alarming. Emmett, but you don't you don't feel like you have early onset Emmett? No, I mean, I definitely, I don't know. I mean, I think it was rude of Chuck to assume the donuts were for him. Because I watch Emmett and I'm like, yeah, you go, man. You tell them. And <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> I'm supposed to be rooting for Chuck and the the other. Uh, yeah, her, I uh, definitely. I mean, that's when I say that this show, like this show, I think is good. But I think like it's geared at a younger audience. So when you're younger, maybe you're like, like when you're like 14 and you're looking at like, stamps having a job you're like yeah Mm. stick it to the man but then when you've actually had to like deal with people trying to stick it to you you're like "Mm, i don't know let me have my donuts (laughs) the donuts are for big mike and when we see them i don't think i you can correct me if i'm wrong but i didn't see any boston cream donuts in there uh i didn't see any because are there any they didn't have any solid donuts all the donuts had holes cut out of them right or no yes i think so am i just misremembering that no i think yeah i think you're right I've never had a Boston cream donut, so uh, I think I what I I don't know I like I I think my mom is not really a fan of like custard and pudding, so she always kind of made them sound really gross. So I just <sighs> never had one. I also don't really like chocolate, like on on things. I like chocolate as a like as its own thing, but I don't really like chocolate flavored donuts. I much prefer vanilla. It seems to me that speaking of other Zachary Levi vehicles, I think that similar to Tangled, I think your mother has kept you in a tower and she has been villainizing uh, cream and custard filled donuts. 
Don't talk about my mom that way. I think it's time that you need to cut your hair and go downstairs and get a donut. All right. Well, uh, I'll look. I'll look into that. So Big Mike takes a bite of one of the donuts and immediately starts choking, which I was like, where is this plot going? But it does go somewhere. <laughs> Emmett uh, struggles to give Big Mike the Heimlich, and Lester and Jeff walk in just in time to get hit with the chewed up donut chunk. I would like to note here, I don't know that this is true, and you can tell me if you've ever heard this, but when I was a young lass of maybe 10, I took a babysitter, uh, a Red Cross babysitting course. And the trainer taught us how to do the Heimlich. We didn't learn how to do CPR, but she told us that legally you are not allowed to say the Heimlich maneuver because the family of the Heimlich maneuver inventor, who is uh, named Heimlich, said they didn't want their name associated with it anymore. So she mm. said, legally, you have to call this abdominal thrusts, yes. which I have never. OK, so I've never heard anyone call it that. And I've never heard anyone else say this, but I can confirm that I have also heard that. OK, they do say Heimlich in the show. Do they? I didn't think that they said it. They say it once when uh, when uh, Jeff is choking later in the episode. Uh, that spoil anything. Okay. They do say, give him the Heimlich. Because I thought they were so. avoiding it for similar reasons. Because I was like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Can't say it. I may, I may even have to beep it out of this show. Who knows? Oh, no. Yeah. Beep. Uh, this is a tempting bit. And I'm very tempted to indulge this. <laughs> However, <laughs> I think we, Lester says that they were supposed to um, stick their finger down Big Mike's throat. And I think he's thinking of cats. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that what you do for babies and animals? Is that the joke? I think it must be the joke. Yeah, I think it must yeah. be. So Chuck goes to a uh, bioscience conference, and he is helping someone with their computer when who should enter but Jill. So good thing he's emotionally prepared after his trip down memory lane that very morning. Mm. Chuck immediately hides under the table, but Jill comes over and sees him. She seems happy to run into him again, but he's incredibly awkward and pretends not to remember her. Then he does a hover hand hug. <laughs> Jill reveals she now has a PhD and is giving a presentation at the conference. Chuck lies and says he owns a computer business. Jill asks him about how... Are you shaking your head because I'm wrong or just because you're disappointed in Chuck? The latter. Okay. Jill asks him about how he used to work at the Bymore, and this leads to her talking about some of her regrets. She says she would change some stuff about their relationship. So, I don't know. She brings this up a lot. I feel like she brings this up a lot. But this is the first time. Jill has a very French boss whose name is Guy Lafleur. He comes over and Chuck flashes on him, so this leads him to be alarmed. He's like, is Jill involved with this? Is Jill in danger? Who is this guy? Meanwhile, Jill tells Chuck which hotel she's staying at and asks him to give her a call. So we find out later that, like, Chuck calls the hotel and, like, leaves a message for her or, like, gets connected with her. But I, I think this is, like, her asking him to put in a lot of effort because he has to call, like, a third party to get her number or she's assuming that he still has her cell phone number and can get in touch with her. Like, I don't know. This seems like a lot of work. Mm. Back at Castle, Beckman tells everyone that Jill's boss might be developing some kind of, like, biochemical weapon, something, some, like, blue thing. Uh, she says Chuck must reconnect with Jill to find out if she's involved. And I find it really amazing how every new assignment leads directly to character development and or more pertinent information about these characters who we love. It's great. I think it's amazing that and far be it for me to instruct the CIA, the CIA how to do their job. But it seems like Beckman is relying a lot on inbound cases that Chuck is presenting her with and not so much <laughs> assigning Sarah Casey and Chuck Jobs based on the intel that she already has from working in a high up position at the CIA. 
It seems like she yeah. just kind of sits at her desk and Chuck calls her and she's like, hey, what about this thing? And she's like, yeah, check that out. That could be something. <laughs> that could be a biochemical weapon designer. Go for it. And then she just sits back and relaxes until they fuck up and she has to come and tell them what to do. I feel like we see like Beckman, like from where her camera is pointing, it's like a very glamorous, like high tech office. But I think if you like move the camera one inch, it would just be like she's surrounded by like cardboard boxes and it's just like an <laughs> empty like room. Could be. And yeah. then also I, th- I kind of branching off of what you just said, Beckman's first solution to everything is always to have Chuck go on some kind of undercover social oh. mis- mission or yes. date or reunion yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he she knows that he's probably going to mess up. It never goes well. Yeah. But her solution is yeah. always like. We're going to have the intersect go and see if he can flash on anything like really is this has not you've tried this this season alone already uh, three or four times. Maybe we're yeah. only on episode six and I just don't think it works out that well. Chuck is not enthused about the idea of asking Jill on a date and Sarah does not seem to be either. Chuck says Jill slept with Bryce Larkin and Casey says mm, who hasn't while looking right at Sarah, which I love. That was incredible. I think. Yeah, no, obviously, I think the joke is that he is making a slant towards Sarah. But. Yeah. I think maybe he's revealing something about himself. <laughs> and this is something I will explore in my Casey Bryce fan fiction. That yeah, I can't wait to read the, that. You really got to send me the link. Yeah, I'm 20 chapters in. <laughs> Sarah suggests that maybe seeing Chill will give Chuck the closure he's always wanted. And she adds that the CIA will help make him look good. Before we can find out exactly what that means, we're back at the Bymore, and after Big Mike's NDE, which stands for a new death experience, I don't know if you know about that. I'm using some high tech lingo here. Is that something that they use in the tech field a lot? NDE? I don't know. They use it in the OA. What's the OA? Is that the OC? It's a show. Is it a prequel to the OC? That would be... Yeah, because there's the OA, which is the first first prequel. Then there's the OB. Mm -hmm. And then there's the OC. Mm -hmm. They go go all through the alphabet. OB is short for onboarding. Or an onboarder. Drop some knowledge on you. Some actual tech lingo for you. Emmett has decided to implement an emergency preparedness course, which again, yeah, I think that's reasonable. They almost, like, an employee almost died and no one knew what to do, Mm -hmm. so I think that's reasonable. It's also taught by none other than Devin. Captain Awesome himself is here in the Bymore volunteering to help these guys uh, save lives. Whoa, world's colliding. I know. Who's ready to pound some plastic? That was a good, that was a pretty good line. Jeff was. Uh, Chuck makes reference to the fact that he's already CPR certified, but Emmett says he'll still have to take the test. Casey shows up and tells Chuck it's time for his date. So Chuck then leaves. He apparently doesn't have to stay for the course. I guess maybe because he's already certified, but I don't I don't really get any of this. I don't know why Chuck was in the room initially. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that, that question is never answered for us. Chuck is, like, that night, Chuck is like one of those guys in high school that I couldn't stand where they just would not show up to class and somehow not get expelled from school. Oh. Like they would show up for the first five minutes and then they just kind of wander out and be like, I'm going to the bathroom or I'm going to the nurse's office or whatever. And then they just See, like, disappear. Yeah. And then they this don't. This is proof that we're we're Emmett. <laughs> Chuck sucks at his job. Like, okay, I'm gonna say it. I've said it before. I'm gonna say it again. He's not a good employee. <laughs> he's okay at the CIA. He's okay. Yeah. Like, he's like getting a C maybe in the CIA. But he's definitely phoning in by more to a problematic yes. extent. I was also wondering, like, Casey doesn't have to stay for this course either, like, because Casey's not even in the room initially. <laughs> Casey isn't taking the test later. I don't really know. Uh, I don't know anything about that. I don't think anyone's brave enough to ask Casey to sit down and take a test or study That's something. That's a good point. He does have a gun in his price scanner. He does. So. Uh, later that night, Ellie catches Chuck on his way out to his date. She comments on his suit and he tells her he's not going to meet Sarah. He's going to meet Jill. 
Ellie is horrified by this because she doesn't want Chuck to get hurt again. But Chuck still goes on the date. The CIA has provided him with a new suit and a new fancy car, which Chuck cannot drive and it stalls out, so he and Jill have to get out and leave it in the middle of the street. Like, I've, I've driven in L.A., and I mean, I, I don't know. People don't generally leave their cars just in the middle of the road, but a valet does come to deal with it. We see him walking up, so I can rescue you knowing that that car just isn't still there. <laughs> uh, the CIA has apparently hired a ton of people in this fancy restaurant to greet Chuck as if they know him, including Casey, who is wearing, like, the best wig I've ever seen. It's, like, swoopy. He looks kind of like a boy band member, and I literally didn't realize it was him. Uh, this this kind of thing is both my dream and my nightmare. Everyone is like, hey, hey, uh, Mr. Bartowski, hey, Chuck, good to see you again. Looking good. Like, it's it's both amazing and horrifying. But Jill seems impressed by it. I was impressed. Yeah, I was impressed, too. Uh, Jill brings up what happened between them again once they're sitting, and Chuck takes the opportunity to say he never stole the test. Jill says it doesn't matter now, but Chuck insists. Jill says she does believe him, but Chuck says that he needed her to believe him then. He says that Bryce must have made a very convincing argument for Jill to break up with Chuck, then hop right into Bryce's bed, which I thought was super harsh because Chuck, I mean, I know that his view of Bryce is separate from his view of Jill. And I also know that, like, I mean, he was hurt and like those feelings don't just go away. But like he knows that, like, why Bryce did this. And like, for all he knows, sleeping with Jill, what, what, like, I don't know. I think this was kind of like more a Chuck and Bryce issue than a Chuck Jill issue. And I think he was blaming her for like essentially moving on. So I didn't think I didn't like this look on Chuck. No, no. Neither did Sarah because she summons Chuck to the bar and asks him what he thinks he's doing. Chuck says he's trying to get closure, but Sarah reminds him that's not the mission. Casey is a champion of all women. And he reminds Chuck that it was Jill's right to dump him and date someone else. Good job, Casey. Sarah says she knows it's hard. And Chuck says he can't turn his emotions on and off like some robot, which makes Sarah very hurt. Chuck apologizes and says he's not acting like himself tonight. He employs the same tactic once he gets back to the table with Jill and tells her he kung fu'd the mean Chuck, who was being a dick, and that guy won't be back for the rest of the night. I feel bad for Jill because throughout the course of this episode, Chuck is constantly lying to her and then saying like, all right, you got me. And then he tells her another lie. And then she's like, you're lying to me again. He's like, okay, fine. No more lies. I'm real this time. And then he lies to her again. And then it's just like constantly. If only this episode had a more suitable title, like Chuck versus the truth. (laughs) Chuck versus the truth too? Yeah. Yeah. Part two. I thought, yeah, I thought uh, in lieu of it's complicated, this, this episode's catchphrase was something along the lines of I'm telling the truth this time, or that's true, or sorry, I lied. (laughs) All those lines. (laughs) Very often in this episode. So the next scene is them leaving the restaurant. And while they're leaving the restaurant, Chuck asks Jill about her work, which made me wonder, what did they talk about? Like, Chuck's mission was to ask her about her work. So what could they possibly have talked about the entire time they were eating dinner if they're only getting to this once they leave? I think Chuck is just one of those people that is addicted to lying and telling misinformation. (laughs) So I think they just sat there and just told her, hey, did you know that? Uh, today's opposite day and she was like no I didn't know that I was like just kidding it's not opposite day I'm like okay great hey, did you know that gullible is written on the ceiling Jill and she's like oh. she's like hey I uh, I know that you work in biochem I don't know if you heard of this startling revelation but apparently uh, they just found out that if your hand is bigger than your face you have cancer <laughs> yeah okay so I see how the, they just did that for 45 went. minutes uh, so then yeah. they exit the restaurant and then 
who but Jeff and Lester swoop in on the Buzzkill Express. I fucking hated this. Um, Buzzkill Express uh, could also be called the Cockblock Caravan. Uh, either way, they expertly destroy Chuck's facade of being a uh, millionaire computer tycoon. They just say all the wrong things and just Jill finds out that Chuck is not an actual uh, CEO or owner, uh, owner of his own business, but a uh, just a lowly buy more employee, just like he was in the flashback. He hasn't progressed at all. But he all. has apparently gotten a raise because they say he's making twelve fifty, and wasn't he making eleven dollars last time we checked in? Ooh, ooh, <laughs> that's such good attention to detail. Yeah, yeah, it's. 12.50. I just realized it now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. Well, maybe he's gotten a raise since last year. I would imagine that maybe the nerd herd pays more than. Oh no, it's just he's gotten a raise over the nerd herd. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But why? It's not all performance right. based. He just always leaves. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so who knows. Just like Chuck, we go back to the buy more uh, and the emergency preparedness and first aid class is in full swing. Apparently, this is a multi-day kind of class since Awesome walked into the buy more yesterday and the class is still going on the following day. Uh, anyhow, Awesome walks in today and he sees that the buy more goons are playing with the very disturbing CPR dolls. Uh, Morgan and the green shirts are practicing karate on theirs while Jeff and Lester are using their dolls to role play Sarah and Jill fighting over Chuck. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. Awesome enters and he is not amused. He tells them that there's a written component of the test the following day and that they all need to pass. The buy more <gasps> folks are not too excited about taking a test, says Jeff. If I wanted to take tests, I would have been a boat captain. <laughs> Amen to I like that. that. Amen. Wouldn't we all, Jeff? At first, they are not concerned about failing the test. However, Emmett informs them that if they fail the test, they will need to take a 30 hour remedial course unpaid on their own time. I think that's illegal. You think it's illegal? I don't know. I think it's amoral. So back at Ellie and Awesome's apartment, Chuck is eating breakfast and Ellie enters and asks how his outing with Jill went. Chuck concedes that it did not go well. However, Ellie points out that maybe it was a good thing because Chuck has always had unresolved questions that he couldn't leave behind. Ellie says that perhaps the resolution from Jill is just what Chuck needs to close this chapter and move on with his life. Following this, Chuck meets up with Sarah and Casey, who are in the midst of a stakeout outside of Jill's apartment or hotel. Hotel? Hotel. hotel. Yeah. Following this, Chuck meets up with Sarah and Casey, who are in the midst of a stakeout outside of Jill's hotel. They say that Jill has not left her hotel since the night before. At this point, Jill receives a phone call, which Casey tries to intercept. However, their phone bug is defective, so they need to plant a new bug in Jill's hotel room. Sarah suggests that she goes in as house cleaning, but Casey suggests that it would be easier for him to just go in and tranquilize Jill. Chuck says, no, 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 no. I'll just go up and talk to Jill and apologize for last night. No tranquilizing necessary. Now, at this yeah. point, Sarah teaches Chuck how to activate the bug. There's only one button. It's an on and off switch. Just as Chuck is about to embark on his mission up to Jill's apartment, Morgan, Lester, and Jeff are embarking on their own covert mission to sneak into Ellie and Awesome's apartment to steal the master copy of the test. Morgan tells them that they have a limited amount of time to steal the test, and he asks them if they're ready. Lester oh my god, I'm so glad you're about to say this because I wrote it down too. Lester says he was born ready, while Jeff says he was born premature. I was born premature too. Congratulations. Okay, so yeah. Morgan is Chuck's best friend, right? Yeah. Presumably, he saw firsthand how Chuck's life was ruined by being accused of stealing tests. <laughs> so why is he trying to steal a test? I don't I mean, I don't think Morgan has uh, those kinds of thinking abilities. I think he would view those as too 
completely separate situations. So I don't really have confidence. And I also, I was, yeah, I don't know. I was, um, I thought that the episode could have potentially, like, I don't know what they would have done, but like drawing parallels there or like if Chuck found out and was really upset with Morgan, like, I think that could have been interesting. But no, it's just kind of mm. a fun kind of a caper that they all continue. Yeah, I thought it was odd that they, because that's what they're doing. They're stealing tests. And even in the beginning yeah. of this episode and then throughout when they're talking to Jill, she yeah. thinks that he stole the tests allegedly. Yeah. But. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it just wasn't in the cards for this episode for them to really make that comparison. But I thought the same thing. I don't know. If you see your best friend do something bad, typically you learn and you don't do it. That's that's how I. That's I mean, that's what you would think. That's what you I think. I don't know. That's how uh, I've developed Morgan. my own moral compass as a person. I've just watched Aaron over the years and said, do doing the opposite of that every time. Great. Good to know. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Jeff and Lester knock on the front door of uh, Ellie and Awesome's apartment while Morgan sneaks in the Morgan door. Throwback. Hey. Ellie opens the door, sees that it is Jeff and Lester and slams the door on them. Lester says, no, wait, we're here to talk about Chuck. Meanwhile, Morgan sneaks through the apartment, eventually finding Awesome's messenger bag. Jeff and Lester start to lose Ellie's attention when they say that they suspect that Chuck has rabies. That's why he's been acting so strange all this time. Okay, I do have something to say about this. I'm sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. But they say to Ellie, have you noticed anything strange about Chuck lately? And literally in the last episode, she was like, Chuck, why are you acting so weird? And she asked Devin if he thought that maybe Chuck was on drugs. Mm-hmm. So when she says, no, I haven't noticed anything weird, that is a lie. That is a straight up lie. And maybe she doesn't trust Jeff and Lester. Like, that's fine. But I feel like for continuity, she should have been like, hmm, yes, I have. Especially since she thought that that since Chuck was hanging out with Jeff that he was on drugs or that there was some connection there. I feel like if I would, I I mean, I don't want to do the writer's jobs here, but I feel like Ellie could have said, yes, actually I have noticed is something wrong. And then when they said, we think Chuck has rabies, then she could have blown them up. Mm. But I think uh, the way that it went, I don't know. So Morgan is fumbling with the bag in Ellie and Awesome's bedroom uh, and he knocks over their laundry hamper. Awesome walks into the room and catches Morgan red handed. Turns out Awesome has been carrying the test around with him, specifically as to not leave it in his bag so this thing would not happen. Uh, He knows Morgan well. Speaking of things that characters are holding, Morgan is now holding a pair of Ellie's underwear, which she immediately... This was disgusting. Which she immediately notices, uh, so he throws them down. Morgan admits that he was there to steal the test, not the underwear, to which Ellie points out that Morgan is denying being a perv, but admitting to being a thief. I thought when Morgan was looking in Devin's bag, and I saw the laundry basket was next to the bag. I thought he was going to start looking and find the test, but then get distracted by the underwear. And I'm really glad that didn't happen because that would have been so much grosser. But this was only marginally better. Like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not glad that any of this happened because I think like I think it's gross, all of it. But like the, the joke that Morgan is like caught being pervy, but like wasn't actually pervy. But we know that he is pervy. I don't know. It was it was just like. I was I was suffering during this scene. <laughs> well, your suffering will last no longer because at this point we are uh, shifted back to the Chuck plot line. We rejoin Chuck as he is knocking on the door to Jill's hotel room, presumably to tell her that he has rabies. And that he needs to be put down. <laughs> Jill says that she does not want to talk to Chuck. So Chuck says that he will do all the talking. Typical man. Chuck confesses that he still works at the Biomore and lives with his sister. He tells Jill that he wanted her to think that he was successful and special because, well, he realized that he hadn't gotten over Jill. Meanwhile, Sarah is listening to this from the van and she's very upset. 
Sarah is better than Jill. I'm going to I'm going to come out and say it right now. Jill, on the other hand, is not upset and welcomes Chuck into her hotel room. While Jill weird decision, Jill, while Jill has her back turned, Chuck makes to plant the bug on her telephone, as is his job. But he stops when Jill admits that she actually had a nice time on their date and she doesn't want any more lies or deception. She gets close to Chuck. Is it getting hot in here? Or is it just me? No, it's not just me. Chuck is also hot because he decides to turn off the bug completely and he throws it on the floor. Jill starts kissing oh. Chuck. And at this point, as an avid viewer of Chuck, I am starting to suspect things are about to go horribly wrong for Chuck, but they don't. No, no, they're it's pretty much fine. Other than all the uh, online commenters and reviewers who reflected on how awkward this kiss was. Chuck leaves the hotel and returns to Sarah and Casey in the van with quite a bit of spring in his step. Ayo. I was wondering, like, I mean, we find out later that it's just that they kissed or he's, he says that they just kissed. Mm. But I was wondering if like if it went further. I don't think. But then like, I th- yeah, I think they would have listened. But I don't know if they couldn't hear because the bug wasn't on anymore. I don't know. But it had some some unspecified events happened where they kissed and, you know. Who knows what else? I don't think Jill was ready for that, and I don't think Chuck has that much game. That's fair. He didn't have his uh, Radiohead playlist. Ar- arcade Fire? Which one is it? It's Arcade Fire. Okay, he didn't have his Arcade Fire funeral music ready. <laughs> so Chuck goes back into the van. Sarah asks what happened, and Chuck downplays uh, his little uh, encounter with Jill. He lies and tells them that he planted the bug. However, he admits that he uh, turned the bug off. So he didn't really plant the bug. If you turned it off, I just, you just threw dropped it on the it. floor. Joe could find that. Tensions are pretty high. Casey tells Sarah to relax. The bugs are idiot proof. Casey is actually able oh. to activate the bug remotely and tap into Jill's phone lines. I don't know why he didn't tell Chuck that at the beginning. I think it would have been easier <laughs> than showing him how the bug works. Uh, yep. Chuck tells Sarah that Jill kissed him, and she, Sarah, is once again very upset with this. Sarah's not having a good time. No. That Sorry, Sarah. Chuck is looking at one of the monitors in the van and he flashes on a neck tattoo uh, that a man has who's walking through the hotel's elevator lobby. We find out that the man with the neck tattoo is an assassin with the code name Wolf Den. So again, bad guys shouldn't have tattoos because Chuck will identify them. They should learn this. Wolf Den is his code name. It's not as cool as Dick Duffy, but all right, <laughs> let's slide, Chuck Riders. Uh, as we find out, Wolf Den is not going after Jill, though he's going after her boss, Guy, <gasps> pretending to be room service. Guy is so busy with his work that he opens the door for Wolf Den and then turns his back, allowing Wolf Den to wheel the room service cart in and then lock the door behind him. Ah! Never turn your back on room service, people. Never. <laughs> That's a, I don't. I don't know. I think you should always turn your back on them. I don't think so. Chuck's alone right. in the van, so of course he's going to get up to no good. Specifically this time, he's going to listen to Jill's phone call with her friend. Jill confesses that she forgave Chuck, and the friend is incredulous because Chuck is a loser. Her words, not mine. The friend continues to crap on Chuck, saying that he's a nerd who only makes $10 an hour. Chuck, not realizing that he has a microphone, says, uh, actually, it's twelve fifty. Jill and her friend hear this on the phone and are immediately sketched out. Okay, but why... Why? Why is there a microphone connected to the phone? Because Casey and Sarah were wearing the headsets and they weren't, uh, they weren't, like, Joe wasn't picking up on their voices, so why, why would the bug do this? Maybe they weren't talking? I don't know. It is kind of a, it just seems, <laughs> a strange it function. It seems weird why you would want that. Also, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I, in my head, I was imagining that Jill was talking to the roommate. 
Yeah, she was. She was. Okay. It had the same. It was uh, the same name. Okay, cool. Because I was watching with subtitles. So it was. So that's nice that Jill maintained her friendship with her roommate. Nice. Maybe we could do a spinoff yeah. of that. You know. Yeah. Chuck makes. Jill and Sherry. Is that her name? Sherry. I think it was Sherry. It was something like that. It was with an I. I. I I. I I Sherry. So after being caught on the phone, Chuck makes a half-assed effort to explain why he's on the phone and displaying his mastery of all things technology and telecommunications. He suggests that they both accidentally call the party line, demonstrating oh. to Jill's friend why he's qualified to work at the Biomore. Did you used to use the party line? Did you used to do three-way calling? Because I remember when I invented. What, no, I was going to say when I. <laughs> what was it like inventing <laughs> inventing three-way calling? <laughs> I uh, I just revealed my deepest darkest <laughs> secret. Um, I that was like when we discovered that in like maybe seventh grade. It was life changing. Like we used to just call as many people as we could. I didn't know you and could it do would that. Be so good, yeah. Is that something you can do? Well, okay, so you can definitely do it on iPhones, but we didn't have iPhones at the time, obviously. Um, I could not do it on my phone because it was a plan that you would have. So my parents did not pay for three-way calling. But the way you got around that was I called someone who had three-way calling, then they did it, and called someone else who had three-way calling, and then they also called somebody. So I got to experience all the benefits of it, but I did not have to pay for it. Nice. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I love three-way calling. It was great. So Jill is not enjoying her time uh, with three-way calling as much as Erin enjoys three-way calling. She's uh, pretty creeped out at this point. Uh, she says that she's going to call security on Chuck. Speaking of security, that's something that her boss could use right now because Wolf Den has placed his food down and stuck up behind Guy and put him into a headlock. They brawl in the apartment as Casey and Sarah attempt to break into the apartment to save him. Subtlety is apparently not Wolf Den's specialty, as it turns out, as he throws Guy around the room, knocking over the serving cart, making a ton of noise, slamming him to the dresser and eventually throwing him out the window. But, this was incredibly violent. But don't worry, the spy van broke Guy's fall and presumably his neck. Yeah, because his body slides down and Chuck can see it. Super he dead. slides down the windshield. Yeah, he's so dead. Chuck is not usually this morbid. Yeah, I know. Like, that's what I was thinking. This is one of the most violent scenes that I think I've seen in Chuck. Mm. That's a corpse. That's a corpse right there. <laughs> uh, that's my new catchphrase. Sarah and Casey eventually shoot the door open, finding an empty apartment, but no corpse. Later that night, Casey consoles Jill at Castle after her boss's death. Casey explains that the CIA had been watching her because they suspected that Guy was involved in some kind of shady behavior. Jill eventually puts two and two together and asks if Chuck is involved with the CIA because he's been acting so strange. So at this point, you would say, yes, Chuck is working with the CIA. Nope, we are. We except, are going A to C here. Except that's not what they're doing. Casey says that Chuck is not involved with the CIA. He's likely just some kind of lovelorn loser who's stalking Jill. He says this while looking at Chuck through the two-way mirror. Casey's really uh, really being the man this episode. I do actually have to say something here. I know I referred to him as a champion of all women earlier, but in this scene, he calls Jill Miss Roberts when actually she's a doctor. So I think that's just another example of a man not appreciating a woman for Ooh. her uh, smarts and title. So I'm taking the title away from uh, from Casey in this in this instance. Aaron giveth, Maybe he Aaron can earn taketh. it back, but yes. Uh, Jill explains. So, should we be calling her Doctor Jill? No, I don't. I mean, Doctor Jill. I don't think you. I don't think you have to call someone a doctor when you're just using their first name. But I think if you were to say Miss Roberts, okay. You, so you're you're in the clear so far. You can still be a champion of some woman. Jill explains to Casey what Guy has been up to this whole time. 
He developed a cure for a bioweapon that contains an extremely deadly form of the influenza virus that can kill someone within one hour, only one hour. Guy's company had been selling this weapon secretly on the black market, and Guy intended to present his findings at the conference so his company couldn't cover it up anymore. They would know that it was being sold on the black market, and Guy would also present the cure so that it would nullify the weapon. Uh, Jill, at this point, realizes that this is now her duty to deliver the presentation. Chuck freaks out because this means that Wolf Den will come after Jill. Casey tells him that their job is to protect all of the citizens of this country, not just the one pretty girl who, quote, raises his flag, end quote. That was a good good line, bad implication. Chuck pleads that the situation is just too jaded. <laughs> Chuck pleads that the situation is just too dangerous for Jill. So Sarah basically says, fuck it, you don't care about me. I'll go do the goddamn presentation. She actually just says, I'll do the presentation. But Sarah, don't give a shit. But she does in this case. I think I think your uh, your catchphrase isn't working here because she does this because she gives a shit. No, I don't think she gives a shit. She doesn't give a I shit. I think she's she's pretending to not give a shit, but that's because that she gives a shit. Yeah, but I think that she is recognizing that it's dangerous and she doesn't care and she's going to put her life okay, on the line. Okay, she doesn't care about the danger. No. But, yeah, yeah. But, she doesn't care about the physical danger she cares about the emotional danger correct Yeah. back at the buy more Morgan, Jeff and Lester are freaking out about the impending test as Emmett walks in Chuck hurries in just as awesome is about to administer the test Morgan, Jeff and Lester all scramble to sit next to Chuck so that they can copy off of him they knock over a table it's pretty humorous and then Lester wears a bucket hat and sunglasses which is fun <laughs> yes he does uh Emmett and Awesome set the one-hour egg timer, and Morgan, Jeff, and Lester proceed to all very noticeably copy off of Chuck. <laughs> I noted that they were taking this test with pens. Mm. Um, that comes up later, so there is a reason for that, but I did think it was uh, pretty bold of either the, the buy more itself or these people to choose to take the test with pens. I always take my test with pen. That, I do actually know that about you. I was just making it up, but you, you thought that was true this whole time? I feel like I've seen you take a test with pen. I feel like you have to in college. It's stupid to use a pencil in college. What kind of idiots walking around college with a pencil? So at the bioscience conference, Sarah pretends to be an Australian associate of Guy's. Which is now the opposite of acting, because she that's just her normal voice, right? Yes. Well, that was going to be one of my facts for later, so <laughs> you took that from me. But I'm going to yes, get the other two. Uh, okay. This is great. Yvonne is actually Australian, uh, as we all know, and this is her real accent, although... Uh, one of the reviewers noted that uh, because she is playing an American playing an Australian, she lays it on a little thick and she uses like uh, phrases like good day and like kind of uh, more campy Australian lang- lingo. Mm. So uh, good good acting on her part, but also not acting on her part. Uh, I mean, you could still act in your native accent, Chris. Can you take a moment, Aaron, and show us how you would act as an American playing an Australian playing an American? Wait, hold on. That's that's too many levels for me to comprehend. As she's beginning her presentation, a man in the audience with... It looks like the same wig Casey was wearing earlier. I guess that's a CIA-issue wig. But uh, he does something suspicious with his chair, and then he runs out of the room. Sarah says she has to go to the loo and runs off stage. Casey discovers that the guy put a canister, presumably with the flu virus, uh, under his chair. So they seal the room. Sarah gets out, but Casey is still inside. So Casey and everyone in that room might die in an hour because there's this uh, extremely deadly strain of the flu in there. 
Have you noticed that it seems like Sarah is always going away on her own to chase and or fight bad guys? Like in the third act of the recent episodes, I always feel like definitely this season. Yes, I she's always that. by herself doing something. Like in yeah. this episode, I thought was funny because it, she immediately just sprints out of the room and yeah. then the room. She blocks. disappeared for like um like a good chunk of this final act. Like I didn't know where she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll find out where she is. But not not in uh, this specific bullet point of my notes. Casey calls Chuck, who takes the call, despite Emmett protesting that they're in the middle of the test. Chuck is alarmed when Casey says they have an hour or less before everyone in the conference room dies. Casey tells Chuck to go get the antidote from Jill. Chuck protests that, like, Jill doesn't want to talk to him, which I guess is kind of valid, but also this is a very life-or-death situation, so I don't know why he would even bother saying that. But Chuck leaves the room, which means his test is thrown out. Jill uh, thinks Chuck is delusional uh, once he gets to her room. Until she sees that he's come escorted by, like, half of the LAPD, she says, oh my god, you're telling the truth, which is where I started saying you should take a shot every time someone references Chuck telling the truth or lying (laughs) in this episode. Uh, Jill agrees to help Chuck and his police escort. They go to the conference center. Jill says she'll go into the conference room to make and distribute the antidote, but Chuck is not on board with this. He says he'll do it if she can talk him through it. So she injects him with a massive poison-filled needle, which is how she says they're going to make the antidote. Uh, apparently, I read some notes about this, which I'll talk about later, but apparently this is uh, something that might work, although exactly how the episode does this might not be uh, exactly how it would happen. Mm. So meanwhile, we do finally get to find out what Sarah has been up to. She is chasing the bad guy through some kind of backroom kitchen type place, which reminds me of a time when I was attending a conference at the Anaheim Convention Center and my Lyft driver dropped me off behind the convention center instead of in the main entrance where all the conference attendees would go. So um, I was walking around the back of this massive convention center and I just found an open door and I went into it and then I ended up walking through the kitchens and like all the inner workings of this convention center and uh, I thought someone was going to show up and either shoot me or escort me out and it didn't happen so that was nice. Uh, I did get to see a lot of a lot of stuff here. You think that a publishing convention had armed security? You never know. I mean, this is a this is a bioscience convention, and it has Sarah and Casey. Yeah, bioscience can make weapons. Publishing. It was actually uh, it was actually a marketing conference. So. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now now you know now you see where I'm going. I gotcha. So Sarah shoots the bad guy and takes his ID badge, and she is confused to see that he is actually a CIA agent. I don't know why he was wearing his badge, but uh, he was. Wait, so, so Wolf Den was CIA? I think was this Wolf yeah. Den? I mean, I guess it was Wolfden. Yeah, it was Wolfden. So yeah, she she found his badge when he was CIA. Okay. I don't know why Chuck didn't know that then. I don't know. This was all it was all confusing. Whatever. He had a CIA badge. Mm. That's the point we need to take away from this. Chuck goes into the conference room, and I noted here that Casey's uh, like sick makeup like looks really good. Uh, he looks really sweaty, and his eyes are all puffy. I thought that was. I mean, it was sad to see him that way, but I looked realistic. Chuck asks Casey to draw blood from him, which is apparently how they're going to make the antidote, but Casey passes out and the syringe shatters. Since there's only one syringe, Chuck panics and radios to Jill. She says that she'll go try to find another syringe and tells Chuck not to panic. Meanwhile, at the Buy More, faced with only a few minutes left on their test, Lester and Morgan conspire to feed Jeff a pen cap. I don't know why Jeff agrees to this, but he does. (laughs) Jeff begins choking, and Morgan and Lester use the extra time and the distraction to finish their tests. Jeff, meanwhile, uh, has been choking, so he does not receive the same benefits, and presumably he's going to have to attend the 30-hour uh, <laughs> remedial training, but uh, no one cares about that. Back at the conference center, Chuck gets the idea that maybe he can spread his antivirals through saliva, so he tries to kiss Casey, 
Casey protests and says, no, I served my country with honor. Let me die with dignity. But uh, here's some more fan fiction for you, Chris, because Chuck does get his way and he lays one right on Casey's lips. Mm, and this is kind of a nice moment. This is a point of tension for Bryce and Casey's relationship. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that makes sense. Um, Jill walks in right as Casey and Chuck are kissing. Jill asks what Chuck is doing. And when he explains it to her, she says that's ridiculous. She takes his blood and they inject the antivirals into the infected people. It all goes well, and Chuck and Jill emerge to cheers. Jill tells Chuck he is amazing, and then they kiss. And it's less awkward this time, I think. Sarah sees this, and again, she's upset. Although by proxy, if you think about it, it's kind of like Jill K- kissed Casey. I, uh, that's my fanfic. It's like Chuck just passed the kiss from Casey to Jill. Yeah, that's, yes, I would that's have, how it works. Casey was so sick, I would, I would, if I was Jill, I would have been like, yo, go brush your teeth. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, uh. Or take some emergency or something. Yes, but uh, she she doesn't care. She she don't give a shit in this case. Whoa. She just wants that Whoa, kiss. Oh, hey. Only Sarah doesn't give a shit. Um, I don't understand this, like, I don't know. I think that uh, Chuck and Sarah are, their cover is that they're dating. Mm. So I think the fact that Chuck is going around flaunting the fact that he's kissing this other girl, he's going on a date on this other girl, like, I know that's his assignment, but it also seems like if the point of him supposedly dating Sarah is the cover... Like, people are going to start asking questions if they see him, like, kissing other girls. Mm. And also, like, I understand feelings about past relationships exist, but, like, Chuck has been so on board with Sarah. Like, I don't know why he's just betraying her like this. Yeah, I think that's a good word for it. I definitely think it seems like it's a betrayal. It seems like it's kind of, because out of nowhere, because you think that Chuck is very infatuated with Sarah. But I guess he's just not as fulfilled with his fake relationship with Sarah, even though like it was starting to get real at a certain point. It seems like it's kind yeah. of cooled down a little bit. I couldn't remember like exactly what was going on in the previous episode with Chuck and Sarah's relationship. Cause we had the reunion, which I thought was a pretty good bond for them. Mm-hmm. And then what, what happened in the one right before this? Tom Sawyer. Yeah. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of Chuck and Sarah in that. Yeah. There hasn't been a, well, she got him the college degree. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I would have, I would have thought that uh, Chuck would still be, like, at least a little bit more considerate. Like, he knows that Sarah has feelings for her, for him. Mm. It's not like a, it's not like he just has feelings. But I guess, yeah, the, the episode is implying that the, the secrets and the not having a real romantic life together is really taking a toll on Chuck, and he wants that with Jill. So Beckman tells Casey and Sarah to allow Chuck and Jill to date and secretly monitor Jill. Apparently the agent Sarah killed was Fulcrum, so they will use Jill as bait to draw more Fulcrum agents out as they presumably maybe try to kill Jill or harm her in some way. Sarah has qualms about keeping this from Chuck, but uh, that's the assignment, so she's going to do it. Ultimately doesn't seem too upset about using Chuck's new lady friend as bait for Fulcrum. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't really want Jill to be there. Chuck comes home smiling and Ellie questions him about this. He tells her he found the answers he was looking for, and Ellie assumes he means that he got closure and tells him that she knows Sarah is the right person for him. Right then, Jill calls, so Chuck goes outside to take the call, despite the fact that he has his own room where he can just shut the door, but uh, he decides to go outside. He tells Jill he hopes they can have something real together. Sarah, who is listening into the call, is sad about this. Then the episode ends on a really weird shot of Chuck. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's just like kind of Chuck's face as he's like, not speaking into the phone and he's not really like smiling or anything it's just his face and then then it's like cut to black so i don't know who knows about that season two episode six chuck versus the x <laughs> take that doug wald take that doug wald oh sorry i didn't mention doug wald doug wald is one of ellie's exes yeah 
Um, and she said she would go out if he showed up and asked her to reconnect yeah. or like asked her to catch up. She said, yeah, yeah I'd that'd do be that. fine. Cause Ellie yeah. seems like she's an emotionally adjusted person. That would be able yeah, to do she's that. She's confident in her relationship with Devin. Mm-hmm. She's confident in her relationship to the world. And you know, if, if her ex came along and wanted to catch up, she would, she would be able to do that. No problem. Yeah, good for her. She's the best. Uh, yeah. What is also the best is a segment that we call It's a Sign. It's a Sign! We have a couple signs to highlight. Yes, I just I just wanted to uh, break these two signs down <laughs> mm. a bit. Um, a lot of the signs in the past episodes I haven't been able to make out quite quite clearly. Um, there's been a lot of things where like Emmett is standing in front of a sign or where like a sign I can only see a couple words. But this episode, there were two signs that I saw very clearly. Both of them are in the break room, and they're presumably aimed at employees. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on these signs. One says, less means more and buy more dollars. And the other one, which is right beside it, says, remember, buy more dollars, never take a break. Which is kind of funny because it's in the break room. So I was wondering what you think buy more dollars are (laughs) and why less of them means more. Less dollars. So I'm thinking, Can you give me the first one again? Less means more and buy more dollars. So presumably buy more dollars are something that only employees get because these are signs geared at employees. Or it's some kind of rewards program or credit card program that they want the employees to sign up customers for. So they're constantly rating them with positive messages about this so they can better sell it to the customers. Buy more dollars. So I was thinking less means more. It means that you only need so many buy more dollars to get like a lot of stuff. Like it's like, uh, only a few buy more dollars equal more things that you can get with them. Right. That's what but, I'm thinking kind of along those lines where okay. it's sort of saying that when your money enters buy more, it is immediately converted into buy more dollars. Oh, that, okay. And that so you, this can, is actually, you can get more for less at buy more. This is actually a good point. Do you think buy more dollars are a policy that buy more has like kind of like Kohl's cash? Or do you think that they just mean like, your dollar goes farther at buy more specifically and buy more dollars isn't like a thing. These are the big questions. It's a sign. What was the second sign? Remember, buy more dollars, never take a break. Okay. All right. So we got to think about this. Maybe this will shed light on our dilemma. They never take a break. Never. So that means if the, this kind of buys into no pun intended, the like Coles cash theory, like you said, Mm -hmm. which means that they never expire. Yeah. Cole's cash does expire. Yeah, that I know. Buy more cash. Maybe it doesn't expire. Maybe it's once you earn the reward, it doesn't go out. It doesn't take a break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it must be that one then. But it, I mean, okay. All right. We we cracked this mystery. Interesting. Um, stay tuned for further It's a Signs. Maybe we'll have more information about the, uh, the buy more dollars in the future. Or maybe we won't. Who knows? I noticed a sign in the next episode. That I didn't write down. Well, uh, but you'll, you can't talk about that now. You'll notice it, I think, and you'll probably write it down. Okay. Maybe. Okay. If not, then Sounds good. Yeah, I don't know. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Interesting, con- not interesting information, contextual, additional contextual information for this episode before we go into I sure do. the final two segments. So I mentioned in a previous episode that the uh, writers of Chuck were challenging themselves and each other to name characters after obscure sports figures. Mm-hmm. So Guy Lafleur is a Canadian hockey player. Oh. That's just a fun fact. It might be pronounced Guy in 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 Canada, and but it might also be Guy. I don't know. But, uh, in French, it's from Quebec, so it's probably Guy. In Canadian, that's how they pronounce it. In <laughs> Canadian, yeah. Uh, also, apparently, Chuck isn't the only one who slept through biochem because, according to uh, the science experts at IMDb, 
It would take much longer than a few minutes and more than half the blood in Chuck's body to cure 20 people of a virus. <laughs> so there you go. Chuck could have just been drained of half his blood and uh, everyone would have been okay, but Chuck would not have survived the process. That would have been a very disturbing turn. <laughs> they start with... I mean, it would be it would be right in line with Guy's death. Like, they just go hard with the violence in this episode. I guess so. I feel like maybe they could have used that if, the, if Chuck... Uh, drained half of his blood and then was hooked up to some kind of machine but then the cia was able to replenish his blood easy enough that would it would be funny but it would not yeah. work for the tone of the show i don't think yeah. it'd be kind of out there interesting interesting, interesting. not interesting, interesting. Maybe. not interesting i'm sorry that's okay we don't do that segment anymore take me down a peg a segment that we do do and we have always done and we'll continue to do is chuck mary kill where we highlight two things one thing that we'd like to marry. This is something that we really enjoyed about this episode. And one thing that we'd like to kill. This is something from this episode that we didn't like. Great explanation, Chris. Thank you. Would you marry my explanation of Chuck Mary Kill? Uh, I, I liked it, but it's not my Mary for this week. Okay, so it's like I more, like, more like is, a one though. night stand kind of thing. I, okay, sure. Whatever. We'll, I'll take All right, it. What would you want to marry then? I really liked Casey's wig in the uh, mm. restaurant scene. I, um, I will... Note something rather embarrassing that I took I took stock of him and wrote down to figure out who that was for my extra extra segment because I literally <laughs> thought it was someone other than Adam Baldwin, but uh, it was Casey and he was wearing a lovely wig. He says uh, what, one of the lines, which despite hearing him speak, I still did not know that it was Casey, was when Chuck asked, is everyone CIA? And he says, of course. Um... I realized once he was seating Chuck and Jill that it was, in fact, Casey, and I was very impressed by the wig uh, for convincing me otherwise. So, uh, also, it was a pretty good look for him. He looked pretty good. He looked like a little bit, like, he looked kind of like one of those men who, like, you see them and you're like, your hairstyle is a little bit young for you, but you're, like, pulling it off. Mm -hmm. And I was I was into it. So, uh, the wig. I'll marry Lots the wig. Lots of strong feelings about the wig. I enjoy how yes. they... Uh, kind of similar to in the reunion episode when they had Casey, uh, Casey being the DJ. And that was kind of a strange alias for him to have. I appreciate yeah. that they are giving Casey these weird, quirky ali yes. alii? aliases. Aliases. We'll have to ask Jennifer Garner. Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a good marry. Um, Thanks. What about you? I think that I would marry the one-liners in this episode. I thought there was a lot okay. of good jokes. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of which we just highlighted in our recap. I think that it's always a good time when the chuck writing team flexes their their comedy chops i think there's some really mm -hmm. funny jokes so i appreciate that a lot of good laughs yeah all right um i'm gonna go ahead and say that i would kill all of like anything relating to morgan holding ellie's underwear i'm just uh i i understand the joke and it was much better than where i thought that they were going with it but i still did not really uh as as a woman who wears underwear <laughs> i would just be very upset uh, if someone else was touching it. So uh, I didn't. I didn't love that. <laughs> I would kill Casey's toxic masculinity oh. and his pride. I think you know what, really, Casey, you're this great soldier. You're this great. You know, you serve your country well. And I think he said that you know I serve my country with dignity. And so I don't understand why he's not man enough to be able to kiss Chuck as a potential medical transaction to save his life. In order to continue well, living, he needs to kiss Chuck. I can't believe he couldn't get past his own his own stuff I to think, do that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good uh, observation, and I appreciate that you said it. Mm -hmm. Would you kiss Chuck? 
either for medical reasons or for non-medical reasons. Uh, why don't we say uh, D yes to all of the above? All right. Um, also, aside from this, I think that is a missed opportunity writing and joke wise, because I think that it would have been funny and maybe still in the tone of the show if Chuck led all of the dying scientists in a, ma- a massive makeout party. <laughs> so that way, when Jill enters and she sees everyone, just all these sick dying people making out and she could be like, what the hell is going on? And Chuck would be like, I, everyone's kissing each other to spread the cure. Yes, I like that. I like that idea. So, I think missed opportunity it- there. This did also remind me, I don't want to get way too ahead of myself, but in the final season of Chuck, there is a very, um, I, w- I wouldn't say similar, but there is a similar scene in that Chuck has to kiss someone unexpected. And I was reminded of it during this episode, and I'm very excited to get there. That's impressive. I don't remember anything about the final season oh, of Chuck. Well, you'll, you'll know. You'll know. Um, great. So then on the scooter scale, which is what we use to rank episodes of Chuck on a scale of uh, zero to five corn dogs. In memory of Scooter, former employee of the Wienerlicious. My favorite character. Uh, how many corn dogs are you given this week? I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna come in hot with uh, one of my kind of regular grades, where I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four. Nice. I I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was well written. I think I took the most notes that I've taken in a while, which is generally mm. a sign that things are going mm-hmm. well. Um, I thought that a lot of it was important and relevant, and although there were definitely some things that I thought were shakier or, or that I didn't like as much, I think that it was generally strong, and I like, uh, I don't know, I like I like where it's going, and I, um, I hope that nothing goes wrong with Chuck and Jill's relationship. Actually, that's not true, because I want Chuck and Sarah to be together, but, uh, you know, I, I thought it was good. That's that's all I have to say. I would agree. I also gave it four out of five corn dogs. Wow. I know that it doesn't really turn out well for Chuck, but I was getting the uh, the warm and fuzzies from Chuck's relationship with Jill at this point. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to say that I was team Jill because I, I wasn't, but maybe I was a little bit for like a couple of minutes. Um, yeah. I'm glad at least that it works out, at least in this episode uh, for Chuck. Seems like everything kind of had a happy ending, relatively speaking. I also appreciated the the third act. I felt like the third act had real stakes and there was real drama yeah. and tension with everyone yeah. went sick and you have they have to get cured within an hour and the needle mm-hmm. breaks and Sarah's mm-hmm. running away to fight Wolf Den. I felt like it was very dramatic and I enjoyed that. And also yeah. to counter that, I think there were a lot of funny moments in this episode that I also really enjoyed. I, agree. I felt like there yeah. was a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. And I thought I think <clears> that the um although maybe the moving into the CPR plotline, maybe it was a little, it seemed a little random that like Big Mike would choke on a donut. I thought that that plotline is like a reasonable thing that you could encounter in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And they, they built some humor off of it, but I could definitely see that happening. Like if you worked at this kind of store, they would probably have some kind of safety training. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I liked that they drew different elements of the show. Like I liked that Devin was teaching them and I liked that it was inspired by like, a character trait we know Big Mike has and like all this stuff. So I thought that was well done. Yeah, it was a pretty a good the, B plot that was grounded in yeah. reality. Yeah. Sometimes the B plots are like still fun but less grounded in reality and I like that this one seemed pretty reasonable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Very true, very true. There so, we go. Anyhow, episode another six. One, another one done. Chuck versus the X. Now uh this episode. Now this episode is our X. That's right. Pretty soon we're gonna hit end record and then uh that relationship will be done. <laughs> uh yeah but we gotta prolong it a little bit we gotta try to make it make it work i don't know it's not gonna work i don't know if this episode worked did it work i don't know maybe it's time we should just part ways with this episode yeah i think uh it's 
I mean, it's it's not the episode's fault. I wouldn't say it's the episode's fault, but uh, oh, it's definitely our fault. I don't have yeah, any. Yeah, it's it's about us. That. It's not it's not you episode. No, it's, it's not. Us. It's not you. Yeah. It was it's us. And uh, yeah. so I guess on that note, I will with tears in my eyes say, "This is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy." And there are no tears in my eyes because I am Aaron Arada and I am realizing that now that I am no longer with this relationship, anything is possible. Oh man, I can't wait for our next episode. The next episode is going to be so good. So exciting. It's going to be, yeah, it's, it's going to be the right one for us. I the think. episodes are always greener. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.